Can I just say amen, amen, amen? Oh, that was beautiful. I, I love the word hallelujah. Literally means praise God. Let us pray. Holy God, we pray for you to open up these words that I have before me. And Lord, I pray that you write them on our hearts. Lord, open our eyes, our ears, our entire beings to accept what you would have to say to us this day. And I pray that you block in me anything that would keep me from speaking your truth alone. Your will be done, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This is what we call a one and done, and I forgot my prop. And yes, this is a walking stick. This has no powers that I know of other, other than it got me up a mountain in North Carolina. I was in awful shape. There's no way I could have made the mountain. We pulled up the car as far as we could get it, and I saw this stick, and it took me up the mountain. Guess what, folks? We're going to be going up a mountain. Now for our scripture. Today from Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. Hear these words. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up to the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Can you imagine? The word of God. Thanks be to God. Now once there was this man and he had climbed a tree. He decided he wanted to be like a little kid again and just scampered on up this tree. And then all of a sudden he lost his footing and found himself hanging by a branch and could not find his footing again. So all of a sudden after hanging there for a while he goes, Lord, please, God, please help me. 
and the clouds part and a voice booms down, let go. And the man looks up and he says, is there anyone else up there? (laughs) Our passage is a bit like that today for the disciples, now turned apostles. You see, they were disciples, they were learners of Christ, and they've now become apostles who will soon be messengers of Christ. They're just standing there going, what now? That's the way the book of Acts starts. Jesus, the bodily form of Jesus, is taken up into the sky. He's still there. And Luke is writing to Theophilus. Now, there are a lot of theories about who Theophilus is. What's really important is what Theophilus translates to. Three things it could be. Loved of God. Lover of God. And friend of God. Therefore, Dr. Luke could have been talking to anybody. And yes, Luke was indeed a doctor. As a matter of fact, John Piper had this to say about Luke. He said, in Colossians 4.14, Paul calls him the beloved physician. He may have been converted there and joined the missionary team as some sort of staff doctor, something we understand, but oh, how much more of a doctor he became. He traveled with Paul for many years and went with Paul finally to Rome, where Paul died. All those years of travel, including two years in Palestine, Luke was taking notes about the works and words of Jesus and the progress of the church. Finally, God moved him to write two volumes of work in the New Testament which, believe it or not, make up more than any other writer in the New Testament, even the Apostle Paul. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, or as I like to call it, the Acts of the Risen Christ by the Holy Spirit through his church. And his immediate purpose was writing these to help Theophilus understand and to see the truth in all that Jesus did and all that Jesus taught and how the church was spreading throughout the Roman world. It may help to see this firsthand who, in Luke 1, verses 3 through 4, He also mentioned Theophilus. It seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the truth concerning the things which you have been informed. In the first book, O Theophilus. But you see, the key word for us in the book of Acts, is the word began. Key word. Luke says, in the first book, in the gospel, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach and his ascension into heaven after his resurrection. 
You see, the gospel of Luke ends with the ascension. It ends with it. And then Luke says, this is the beginning of all that Jesus is doing. The beginning of his teaching ministry. The beginning of the deeds of Jesus Christ. The word began in Acts 1 verse 1. I started looking and counting the number of translations. I got to 27 and went, oh, that'll do. Everybody uses the word began. That's how strongly translated it is. Now, here's one thing you need to know. I do not want to minimize the once and for all time saving work of Jesus on the cross and all that he did prior to that. Hebrews 10, 12 says, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. When Jesus cried, it is finished, the debt was paid, the bill gone, the sins were covered, the wrath was removed, and Satan was mortally wounded. Mortally wounded. So I don't want to minimize that at all. Not even in the slightest. But we can't ignore that Luke calls this in Acts the beginning of what Jesus came to do. The beginning of the teaching ministry of Jesus Christ. In other words, even though Jesus has ascended into heaven and is gone from the sight of the disciples, his teaching ministry is not done. Not even in the slightest. It's not over. Life may not look the same, but Christ is not done. You know, I've been unpacking boxes, and I swear they're multiplying. But as I was unpacking boxes, I found a picture of my husband and I as we were about to dash out to the car in the mad rain of rice. And yes, way back then, we threw rice. And I looked at those two and I went, hmm, I wonder if they'd be happy if they knew this was going to be their future. Would they? Because what you see there is a recent graduate from the University of South Alabama with a degree in marketing and a double minor in Spanish and French. And you also see a recently named sales rep for Granger and a weekend warrior for the Army Special Forces. That's who we were then. I can't even imagine what we were thinking. We all have goals, don't we? The apostles were no different. They had goals. They have completely changed their lives to follow Jesus Christ for the last three years. They've sat at his feet. And now in this particular passage, they have been sitting at the feet of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? I mean, seriously, imagine that. They're sitting there. They see the wounds and they're sitting there at his feet. They saw him die. They know 
that this is something crazy. Can you imagine what they're thinking as, as they're sitting there with him and he's telling them, it's going to be okay, guys. And they're going, wow, of course it's going to be okay. We're sitting here with the resurrected God. I mean, th- wow, nothing can stop us now. We can do this. That's why they're asking, Lord, are you going to restore Israel? Oh, wait a minute. We're not supposed to know the time and the day and the hour? Hmm. No wonder they're staring up in the sky going, wait a minute. We've got to learn more. We're not ready yet. Why would you do this? Uh, I mean, seriously, what's going on? Certainly he'll be back down, right, any minute. They had to be thinking that. I mean, think about it. Would you be staring up at the sky and wondering where, when he's coming back? I know I would. I would be going, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're going, take us too. Please don't leave us here. But do you think God knew they had questions? Yes, he knew. Of course he did. That's why he sent the two messengers in the white robes. Men of Galilee, why are you standing around looking? This Jesus has been taken up into heaven, and he will come back. Just as you saw him go into heaven. Huh? What? Really? Surely the disciples stood there for a minute going, well, wait a minute, what? (laughs) What do we do next? But Jesus told them, He planned for it. He said, well, go back into Jerusalem, to the upper room, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, John, baptized with water, but before many days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember? What Lucas told us, this is not the end of Jesus' ministry. This is only the beginning. Jesus is not done with his works here on earth. What Jesus did on earth, his tough, very compassionate, loving, and healing deeds are not to be minimalized. But what he said also on earth, his, well, very truthful, authoritative, convicting, and comforting teachings, it's only the beginning, according to Luke. Only the beginning. Now, this is absolutely crucial for anyone who wants to study the book of Acts to remember that this is the beginning. Because the clear implication by Luke is that now, now that Jesus is seated by his Father in heaven on the right hand of God Almighty. He's not finished. He's still working. He's not done with his work and his teaching. He's not dead. He's not absent. He's alive and he's present. And he's doing and he's teaching. The incarnation of the Son of God into human flesh and the once for all time sacrifice of himself for sin on the cross cannot be overlooked. 
the mighty resurrection, the ascension to the Father. We have to remember that all of that is just the beginning of what Jesus came to do and to teach. And the rest that he came to do, he does right now. Now. That is the point of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is not just Acts of the Apostles. It's Acts of the risen, enthroned, living Jesus Christ through his followers. He said it in Matthew 16. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is Luke's point. Jesus began his doing and his teaching, and he still does it today. Now he still goes on completing his doing and his teaching, his church, his body. And he said he would by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is this perfect example of what Christ meant and what Luke is talking about. Paul is, well, the main one in half of the books of Acts. It actually, part of it could be called the Acts of Paul. Because of all that Christ did through the Apostle Paul. But listen to what Paul says is really going on in the ministry of his. From Romans 15, verses 18 and 19. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has worked through me to win obedience from the Gentiles by word and deed and by power and signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever Paul accomplished, it was Jesus doing it and teaching. Notice that the same pair of words, Christ worked through us, works through us by word and by deed. That's what he's telling the disciples. And he's speaking and acting even now in this church. That's why this is so relevant for us. Jesus is still alive. He's sitting on the right hand of God the Father in bodily form. How outrageous is that? But that's what the Bible tells us. That this Jesus is building his church. Wherever people come under the authority of his name and receive his forgiveness for sins and trust in his power. This is what we want to see happening here at New Providence Presbyterian Church. It's what Paul saw as he traveled with Christ. But life gets confusing, doesn't it? I mean, right here in this place, sitting here in the comfort of the church, we go, oh yeah, 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 I can listen to that. Yeah, okay, I can get behind that. But the minute we get out those doors, oh no, no. It's kind of hard to live what we say we can live here in the comfort of this building. When we know armies are not going to come crashing in to tell us to stop. Guess what? 
the apostles were worried about that too. That's why they were going, okay, what's next? And they thought, are we going to be in hiding forever? And then the Holy Spirit came. A fresh wind blew through with tongues of fire. And they became the apostles, the messengers of God. We all imagine what life is going to be, right? Don't we? I mean, those, those kids in that picture, yeah, we had visions of what we were going to do. We have visions of what's going to happen in this church. And pastors leave. The preschool classes change. The year ends. New kids come in. Kids grow up. Go to new classes. They become teenagers. Teenagers become college students. And then careers or marriages are all started and their journeys begun. Life changes. We get a little grayer. Believe me, this was not my original hair color, as you saw. The church changes. Look around. The church does not look like it did 20 years ago. Please, I'm not kidding. Look around. I want to see you looking around. Use your necks. Yeah, they work, right? Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact... Mike told me in my office, he said, one wall was built in the 70s, that wall was built in the 80s, and that wall was built in the 90s. The church changes. It's not going to be the same next year or two years from now, especially not 10 years and 20 years from now. You see, one of the most important jobs of us as a transitional is we like to hear the stories Because the stories shouldn't be lost. The stories are powerful. And they show us where Christ is working. We love to hear the stories. And we've already heard some of the stories that give us insight into who the body of New Providence Presbyterian is. Which gives us a glimpse into where God is leading this church into her next chapter. And all the while, as we go, but what's going to happen? How's this going to, really, what, what, what are you going to do? And Jesus says, do you trust me? I'm still teaching. I'm still leading my church. You see, our story, mine and Paul's, is that, well, that woman became a stay-at-home mom. And... Yeah, (laughs) didn't go off. Yeah, that's us. First day at seminary. Here's the funny thing. I wanted three kids. He wanted two. God laughs. He really does. I also prayed for patience, and yeah, I got five. Nothing stays the same. I look and I go, yeah, I'm a mom. But I'm now mom of adults. My youngest just turned 25. Things change. But God is still God and God is still leading. Now I can tell you that if that young couple had known this was coming, especially this person, I would have run screaming. 
okay? This is not what I wanted to do because I don't like to talk in front of people. I took small group communications in college and voided speaker audience. God loves to do the impossible and laugh as he does. You see, sometimes we're too close and we remember too much of the past and we hold on to it, then, which keeps us from seeing the present and what the future could look like. Now, our goal is to listen to your past, to show you your present, and to reach for that future. Because I've got news for you. God is a God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's already there. He knows what it is. He's just waiting for us to be like the disciples. Now, what did Jesus tell the disciples to do? To go into the upper room and pray. And prayer is a powerful thing. Waiting in prayer is a powerful thing. Because we don't pray to an absent God. We don't pray into nothingness. We don't pray to a God who is only in heaven and is not dwelling among us. We pray to a living, resurrected Lord in Jesus Christ who is still working, who is still teaching, who is still leading his body. Who knows? Maybe if we used all of our heart, mind, body, and soul to actually worship the Lord out there as well as in here, maybe we'd know a little bit more about what he wants to do. After all, who could have seen that young couple? Believe me, everybody who knew me and probably knew him too went, ministers, really? And we go, yeah, God does crazy things. Only God knew that we would be standing here on October 1st, 2023 in New Jersey. I use my marketing in church. I never imagined. But God did. The apostles' lives were about to change right after that passage in a major way. They wouldn't be able to go back. They don't know it in Acts 1, but Jesus was going to be working through them. We've read the book of Acts. We've seen some of the amazing things that happen. Peter, a fisherman, a local, I mean, people looked at fishermen and went, okay, they're not educated, they can't do it. And all of a sudden, Peter is preaching to thousands. Only God can do that. Only God. So tell me, are we ready to trust Jesus Christ with his church? Because this is his church. I know we like to say, oh, I love my church. I just love my church. But this is his church. And let me tell you, that's the hands you want it in. So what now, Theophilus? Friend of God. What does God have in store for you? For his church. For the time as we wait and pray. And I'm going to put this down and ask my husband to join me because one of the things that Christ gave us 
was his table. And at his table, on this World Communion Sunday, we take it with people around the world. Around the world, it's just crazy to me what all God is doing. That Jesus Christ would take a simple thing like bread and wine and we'd still be doing it today to remember that he's coming back. Mm -hmm. This table is open to all who call themselves believers of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful to you, O God, our creator, for you have created everything we know and love about this crazy planet. And you've even created the things that we don't love. But we give you thanks and praise that you allowed your son to come and walk this hard earth and teach us the lessons that he taught us. Oh, Jesus, we are so grateful for you. We are grateful that you continue to teach and guide and lead us to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. And thank you that you loved us so much that you knew we couldn't follow without a little bit of guiding and comfort from the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present. And we pray that you are glorified in this time as we share this meal. Father, we pray with all believers around the world that you are glorified above all, through all, and in all. Jesus, help us as we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power.